The program is called Legal Ease with attorneys from the Pru Law Group. And every now and then, we get the boss man. And we don't just get him once this month. We get him twice this month because he's got so much to say about a topic that I cannot even pronounce. Every time we talk about this, I can't get it right. So that's why you're here, Pat. That's good morning. Here. Good morning, yeah. Wayne. It's yeah. good to see you, buddy. Yeah. Before we talk about the topic, my marketing person, Karen Gilbertson, is asking us Cupid. to make... Huh? Cupid. Cupid. Yeah. yeah. She's taking over our marketing, and what we're doing now this year, so our listeners can be aware of this and everyone can, is we're doing basically topics of law by theme by the month. So one month we may just be spending the entire month on personal injury or on estate settlement or, or estate planning. And we're going to take the entire month. We're going to do some radio shows on the topic. We've created, and she's created, a webinar uh, station on the Internet so people can go in and actually see videos of us talking in detail. We're much better just radio only. Oh, us. yeah, with my we face. We don't need video. No. Yeah. But they can actually see us talking in detail about topics of the law. Not today. Not today. It's coming up. It's coming up. And and we'll get into details with that. Give us 2020 vision. I don't ever have 2020 vision, you get that? but I will. 20, vision. 20, I got it. That's 20, true. 2020 vision. You're such yeah. a smart guy, Wayno. Yeah. You didn't get that right away. I did not get that right away until you said it twice, and I said, oh, okay, he's absolutely right. A lot of things try to I don't keep, get. Try to keep up. A lot of things I don't get. Anything. So we're going to be doing that. We'll be doing some other media things, but we're trying to inform our, our listeners and our clients and our friends about more depth about different areas of law. The reason we pick conservatorships to start off the There's year, the word. That's the word I can't pronounce. Well, it depends. I want to say conservatorship. But that depends. Would be right. Some people do. Neither one's correct. So you can pick either one you want, tomato, tomato. And you you pronounce it how? Conservatorships. Conservator. I got to write this down here. Okay. okay. With your. Okay. The reason you picked it is dot dot dot. The reason we picked it, folks, is because it's a with our, our changing society. Folks are getting older, and the our older clients want to know about it because it could impact them or their loved one or their brother or their sister, and and kids want to know about it because it could affect mom or dad. We've had a number of them in the last few months, and people get very confused about what they are uh, and how they differ from powers of attorney and the impact they'll have on your life. So it's too – and we've only talked about conservatorships, folks, and we've done this show, we know, over a dozen years. I've checked – A dozen? A dozen. More like 25 20, or 30, isn't it? We've only talked about this topic once in that entire time. You keep track of that stuff? Yes. I can say every show we've ever done, what we talked about, I have every outline. Yeah. Well, you know, when you wait on folks, it's like it's hard to forget. You know, it just stays with you. <laughs> okay. We can both shove them back and forth. Yeah, my checks are the mail. Check is in the mail. <laughs> so it's such a hot topic. And clients, we ask, what do you want us to talk about and explain more? And people said to me, get into this topic. So we're going to do that today. So let me start by telling you what it is. All right. Conservatorship. It's really a legal way when you want to designate somebody, uh, you go through the probate court, and that person, if they become your conservator, is now legally responsible to either manage your personal affairs, your day-to-day -day matters, or your financial affairs, or both, all right? Uh, and you don't have to necessarily be incompetent to have a conservator. You could have a conservator if somebody says, I simply don't need the responsibility. I need a break. Life's getting to me. I want to appoint one of my kids as my voluntary conservator. Uh, that's unusual, but it happens. It's more common that we have someone, for example, an older citizen who might be suffering from Alzheimer's, etc., and they're not able to take care of themselves and make good decisions. 
uh, so they need a conservator. I'll give you an example, folks. I'm conservator for a, a nice gentleman, but he gets a little confused with his money. So not long ago, he was sitting in a restaurant, and he was handing away a lot of money, thousands of dollars. And he did that more than once. And his Maybe family, the service was really good, and he was leaving a big tip. It wasn't to the waitresses or the waiters. Otherwise, yeah, that could have been gotten away with that one. You know, so people have done that. When I was judge, I had a case years ago where someone was taken advantage of by the younger people in town who had drug issues, knew this old guy was a little confused. And they would go to his house when he got a social security check, and they cleaned him out. And so the police came to me and said, this gentleman needs some help. We need a conservator for him. So you have situations where as we get older, we may not make good decisions. We may come down, for example, on the radio show 20 minutes early because we can't read a clock right like I did today. And uh, you may need some help. And if that's the case, if it's that serious, you can go to the probate court and have a conservator appointed for you. That new computer system you're getting will have clocks on the lower right side of the screen, by the way. <laughs> they will. And They'll if I can right learn how to, to use right it. Right up to the second. If I can yeah. learn how to use that new computer system. You get people that start to see warning signs with, hypothetically, an older relative, including the money thing you just talked about. Yeah. And they don't know about this conservatorship stuff. And they come into your office and say, what kind of provisions are there where we can kind of put some checks and balances? Because the, the, the person isn't ready to go off to the nursing home and Correct. stuff like that yet. They just need someone to keep an eye on what's going on. Is this the first thing you suggest to them? Or what other options are there besides that? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, it is. It's a great question. Because the law now says that the conservatorship should really be the last resort taking away someone's privacy and someone's uh, authority to manage their own life. The court's reluctant to do that. Uh, years ago, they were more willing to do it on a more casual basis. Now it's a pretty serious undertaking. You need medical reports, you need evidence, etc. So before we can do that, uh, a lot of times families will go and say, and we're going to talk about this over the next two shows, is how do I help mom or dad manage their bank account? They get confused. They can't balance the checkbook. They don't enter their checks. They uh, get scammed, which I can talk about. We got a lot of elderly getting scammed these days. We want to stop all of that. So easiest way is mom or dad can give someone a power of attorney. We'll get into that in more detail. But a power of attorney would allow, for example, Wayne, if I gave it for me, he could do my banking for me. I can too. I don't give away my authority to do my banking or talk to my doctor or make medical decisions or pay my bills. I just give someone else, you know, concurrent authority to do those things for me. We had a case which one of the reasons we have this show, for example, it came in a couple of weeks ago where a client of ours had power of attorney. And he gave it to his kids. And the kids are trying to make good decisions for dad because he was making really poor decisions. The problem is, because he had power of attorney, they couldn't stop him from making bad decisions. They could just, you know, kind of intercede and do what they could. But if he wanted to invest his money in a bad investment, he could do that. If he wanted to give his way his money, he could do that. If he wanted to not take the medical treatment he needed, they couldn't stop him. And that's the difference, folks, between the power of attorney and the conservator. If Wayne became my conservator, I lose my authority to manage my finances. I lose my authority to make medical decisions if he's conservator of my person. He's me. He makes the calls, and I just go along. How do you guarantee that the person making these decisions as a conservator yeah. or power of attorney has the person's right interest in mind you could i can see a case where you could have somebody that gets this power and then abuses that power yeah 
And, and that also is a difference between a POA and a conservatorship. <coughs> With a power of attorney, there's really little supervision. Uh, if someone becomes incompetent, the person acting under the POA doesn't have to report to anybody, really. With a conservatorship, the court gets involved. So, as I said, there's, there's a couple of kinds of conservatorships, so let me take you into that. There's a conservator of the person, someone who's authorized to manage your day-to-day -day personal affairs, where you live, make sure you're dressed, all those things, meet you, eat, eat, you know, with good food, nutrition. I could use one of those. You could, and we're mm -hmm. going to talk about that later on the show, too. That's why it's to show. You're getting one. Uh, the other type of conservator is a financial conservator who manages your money. I could use one of those. My wife takes care of that. Uh, so they can handle you, you that. You married a gem, didn't you? I did marry a gem. Yeah. She saved my life last year with my medical stiff. She takes good care of me. Uh, I couldn't live good without job, her. Good job, Lynn. Yeah, Lynn. You're doing a great job. Because so, without you, I wouldn't have a guest this morning. <laughs> that's exactly correct. You'd have open, open mic. It wouldn't be me, folks. So those are the two kinds of conservatorships. And then you look at the situation and you decide conservation can be voluntary or involuntary. So, for example, seriously, I've had clients come to me and say, life's just getting to me. I'm alert. I know what I'm doing. I could make good decisions, but it's wearing me down. I want to designate my daughter as my voluntary conservator of my person in the state or either one. And they can step in and do everything. With a voluntary conservatorship, listeners, if you change your mind and you get back on your feet again, you can terminate that relationship and go back to managing your own affairs yourself. With an involuntary conservatorship, which is happening most of the situations, I've gotten Alzheimer's and I'm confused and I don't know what's going on. My kids visit the probate court and they have an involuntary conservatorship for me. Someone's appointed. And as Wayne led up with the question, how do we know again somebody to take good care of me? The probate court gets involved and they talk to the family members. They explain what responsibilities are. And the person, first off, if, for example, Wayne were going to become my conservator of both person and state, he'd have to file a report with the court as to what he's doing to manage my day-to-day -day life to make sure I'm okay. So if I'm living in a box under a bridge, that's not okay, and he can get in trouble for that. And the court's going to make sure he takes care of me. And if he's managing my money, first thing he does when he becomes conservator of my finances is report to the probate court by filing an inventory of all the assets he's taken over. And I'll give you a story on that in a minute. Don't let me forget. Uh, so he's reporting to the court. And then the first year of that conservatorship, the court's going to probably ask him, we want to see a report and make sure all the money that he brought in for me has either been spent on me or is somewhere invested wisely so I can't be hurt and he can't take my money and go to Cancun. All right? And, and that's important. Now, there's a lead case in Connecticut, which happened here in Wyndham, Connecticut. And I won't even tell you where, but I won't give you the address and know how it went. But it was a case where an older gentleman uh, was alert at the time and appointed a neighbor to become his power of attorney. And the neighbor, trying to do his best, and he, he wasn't stealing from this guy in a sense, he made sure this guy's house was maintained, he was taken care of, everything was fine. At the end of the month, there was like $3,000 of income left over. This guy thought he was entitled to take it for himself. And he did. He paid his rent and mortgage and all that stuff. With it. You're not allowed to do that. So the court being involved would say, Mr. Jones, you can't take Mr. Smith's money, even though he's taken care of. You've got to make sure that money's invested for, for your ward. 
I don't understand the part about the <coughs> conservator has control over the bank account, checks, things like that. But then the person they're taking care of also has access to that. Doesn't that run the risk of maybe bouncing a check and well, two people draw off the same account and there's no money? It does if it's a power of attorney. If it's a power of attorney, if I give Wayne power of attorney for me, both he and I can use that same checking account and both write checks. With a conservator, I don't have a checking account anymore. He takes it away from me. Anything as conservator I do is void. So if I go and sign, you get these scam callers saying, hi, send us X amount of dollars and we'll send you such and such. I could tell you a funny story about what happened to our law firm on that. Listeners, we get a kick out of. Scams are everywhere and people got to be careful. So if I were getting scammed and I signed a contract, Wayne could void that contract. For example, we have a client who's not alert and he got confusion went to a local uh, phone company. And they sold him nine uh, phones. He didn't need nine phones. He's only got one air that they can use. And they sold it to him. And, and his annual or monthly bill is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. That's corrupt. He shouldn't be allowed to do that. They, But there are other people who do that to older people all the time. If I'm in that situation and Wayne's my conservator, anything I agree to, he can void. And he would. Does a conservator have control over end-of-life decisions? In other words, when they're going to pull a plug? First off, if, if I made a decision while I was competent and I did a living will health care agent, uh, that would rule. The court would look at that. When you would do a conservatorship, the court's going to ask you, did you execute a power of attorney so we have some idea of who you want as your conservator while you were alert? Did you designate a conservator saying, if I ever get to that situation, I want to have somebody, my wife, for example, be my conservator. Court would be honoring that. They'd have to. And if I said I want to be not kept alive artificially, I want my the plug pull, so to speak, the court's going to honor that and the conservator's going to honor that. If there's confusion about what you'd want, then the conservator will go to the probate court. They will set up a meeting with the family and discuss what they think that the ward would want for him or her. Do you get feel-good stories from people who set up a conservatorship and a year or three years down the line, they say, this is really working out well. Maybe the person who's the conservator, or maybe it's the person who needs the conservator. One or the other says, you know what, we're really glad we did this. Yeah, we do get those stories. So I'm going to give you one story that happened here in Wyndham, which is actually the, one of the great cases. In fact, probably number one case in Connecticut. Uh, Wayne loves it when I tell some of these stories. We had a case where a little elderly woman was in a house that was, she's being abused by her nephew. Uh, he was managing her money. There was no conservator in line. He was taking her money. He was feeding her frozen dinners. Uh, he wasn't giving her medical treatment to the point that the local volunteer fire department came to me as judge and said, we think there's an abuse case going on here. So we had to step in. We had to appoint a conservator for her. We had to have an amputation because she was that badly treated. And we ended up putting the guy in prison. One of the worst cases in Connecticut history of elder abuse. So that ended up in the sense that it was a feel-good story and that some nice people stepped in, made sure she got the treatment she needed. She couldn't live at home. She went to a nursing home. She lived another six, eight years. And she was happy there. And she had friends, and life turned out good for her, whereas when she was by herself, her family member was just trying to abuse her money. And I could go through a whole pile of those. 
Now, I'm probably in a situation, Pat, where I won't need to do this because I have no one, I don't think, who would uh, want me in charge anyway. You know, mom's not around anymore and that kind of stuff. Although I was kind of close. I had a whole power of attorney, all that stuff back when she was alive, back seven, eight, and nine years or so ago. But none the, And I had to use all that. You and I talked about that. But if I did need to set up a conservatorship, I go to the offices of the Prue Law Group on the fourth floor at 720 Main Street, Willimantic. What is involved in setting up a conservatorship? Well, we may have you become conservator for Colin. Colin can use conservator. Yeah. Colin Rice. Good point. We'll and, talk and, about and that. And he'd want me to be his conservator. He'd want you to be his conservator, yeah. yes. They don't want nothing to do with you. I, a, I can hear his footsteps coming on the hall right now. <laughs> <Not> sprinting <laughs> in the door. So if, and that's a question clients call and ask because it's not the type of thing you do a lot of. It's not the type of thing you talk to your friends about. So if Wayne comes trooping upstairs and says he needs a conservatorship. I'd use the stairs, too, by the way. Use the I would not use the elevator. No. You'd use the yeah. stairs. Yeah. yeah. And it keeps you in good shape because you were just telling me, for the quick aside, folks, Wayne was telling me on his trips to uh, Tampa uh, and Cincinnati. He was doing a lot of walking. Nice river walks. Yeah. Ohio River and Cincinnati and uh, the Hillsborough River, the Tampa River walk. That's why you're a healthy guy. So we're going to do this conservatorship. <laughs> All right. Family members going to come in and they're going to ask us what we have to do. Dad needs help. And unfortunately, a lot of times it is dad because some reason, obviously, the men, uh, they get a little sick. The women seem to be a little tougher. Uh, so the conservatorship requires... Interesting because the women usually live longer. Yes. And they're healthier. Uh, I'm, I'm running into that a lot. Okay. I mean, we're doing three couple going now and they're all men. So it's mm -hmm. fascinating. All right. Um, so in order to do a conservatorship, we have to make application to the local probate court. First, what will happen is that we'll meet with the family, uh, the spouse if she or he's involved, the kids, determine exactly what the parents or whoever it's going to be. It could be a brother. It could be a sister. Uh, what they need, what their needs are. And do they need a conservator of the person? Do they need a conservator of the state? And also, more importantly, as Wayne led on earlier, is that the right thing to use? Do we want to do a conservatorship or do we simply want to have mom and dad <coughs> grant the power of attorney? Mom and dad are still relatively competent. They understand what's going on. They want to do the less intrusive step. That would be a power of attorney. But if you've gotten to the point where mom and dad have not have not able to manage their day-to-day -day affairs or can't make good, wise financial decisions, we do the conservatorship. So the family will usually tell us so-and-so in the family wants to be conservator. Or many times, believe it or not, clients will come to me and say, Pat, we know your reputation in town. This is true. We want you to be my conservator. I'll probably conservate folks for a couple hundred people in this town. And as they get older, I'm going to be a busy guy. Does a uh, conservator just have to be one person or can it be a family? Can you have two, three people? Well, let's say husband, husband, wife taking care of mom or dad. It's, the more people get, the more difficult it is because okay. you've got to act currently. Uh, you used to. You don't anymore. The law changed seven days ago. So you can act individually. All right. Uh, so having two is not uncommon. You had Dad needs help and he's got two kids or four kids, two are in the area, two are not. Uh, they want to have more than one person make decisions, so we, we do too. And those people, 
will tell us who they want, and we make application to the probate court in saying that dad needs conservatorship. He wants his daughter Susan, his brother Bobby, to be conservators. There's a hearing set up, but prior to the hearing, we have to obtain medical information. So we're going to ask the family to see a local family physician or the doctor at the hospital who was taking care of dad or mom. Uh, they got to fill out a, a specific form indicating why they think this person needs a conservator, why this person cannot handle his or her finances. So we've got to have that form. We've got to indicate to the local probate judge what we think, and it doesn't have to be specific, but what kind of assets we think we have because a bond may be required. All right. So if we think that Wayne's going to be conservative for me, and let's say he came in and said, I've got $7 million in the bank, <clears throat> the court's going to want Wayne to post a $7 million bond on me. I don't have $7 million, just so you know, folks. But he'd have to post a bond for that amount because, as he said earlier, if he decided he wants to buy a boat and sail off to Bahamas and he wants to use my money to do it, the court frowns on that, the family frowns on that, they're going to want him to post a bond. The problem with posting a bond is it's very expensive. So a lot of times if there's a way of having the family get around it, we will attempt to do so. The law used to be the court had to post one. The law's changed again a few days ago. We don't have to do that as much as we used to. So there's a hearing. At the hearing, uh, the person who's going to be appointed a conservator for it is called the ward. The court appoints attorney to represent them. So, again, we're getting a conservator for Wayne. He's seen too many Yukon games, and he's, like, lost his ability to even comprehend what's going on. All right. I'd be the coach, by the way. Uh, he's definitely needs conservator. All right. So the court's going to appoint an attorney. That attorney's going to investigate and determine whether he thinks his client does, in fact, need one. And they're going to make a report to the court. The attorney's job is to represent the ward, the person being uh, taken care of. And if they think there's a, no reason for it, they'll object. If it's clearly that the person needs help, he won't object. And a conservator will be appointed. And uh, they post a bond. They do an inventory. And from then on, they are the person. They make every decision, whether it's a person, they make medical decisions, they make financial decisions, they're you. whole process takes how long to set it up? Okay, probate judges are going to hate this, but since the state of Connecticut took over, uh, took over just about when I retired, they now take uh, three, four times what it used to take in all seriousness. It'll take a month to six weeks, something it used to take two weeks because the state bureaucracy is involved, and they hate it when they say it, but that's the truth. Uh, so you're looking at a four- to six-week period before the court can get in, get the hearing appointed, get the decree to you, and do everything they want to do. So you're listening now, folks. You understand, seven days ago, uh, the state of Connecticut converted their system over to a, a computer-based system. Uh, for months, of, I think six months before that, they had, I think, five or six law firms in the state testing the system. I'm proud to say that our law firm is one of the six in the state doing the testing. So they used us as a sample about how to properly put the system in place. So my crew is literally ahead of everybody else in the state. When we file with the state, it's done perfectly. Other attorneys, we're laughing now, other attorneys are screaming at the computer because you've got attorneys like me, and Wayne knows me well. You're not really good on a computer. You do a lot of probate work because you get older. You try to do that because no litigation. You don't have stress. You don't know how to use the computer system to file with the probate court. 
in a probate court has never done it before because Wyndham was one of the lead courts. So there's only a few courts in the state who know how to do it. So you've got attorneys who don't know how to file. You've got courts that don't know how to get the filing. And the thing's a mess. It's happened in Costello time. And it's taken forever. So fortunately, in this area, Wyndham Court has done it before. They know what they're doing. We've done it. We know what we're doing. We have a lot more to say about conservatorships. This is part one of a two-part series that will continue two weeks from today, January 22nd at 9.30, when we present part two of conservatorships on legalese with attorneys from the Prue Law Group. And, yes, Mr. Prue will be back here. He might appear at 9.30 that day and not at 9.20, but that's okay. We like having you early. We tell stories and stuff. We'll see you then, pal. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.